The Southwest WA Drought Resilience Adoption and Innovation Hub acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast has been recorded, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. It pays its respects to the elders past and present and extends that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the lands which the Southwest Drought Hub operates. Hello, I'm Julianne Hill, Hub Adoption Manager. This podcast series on dry season responses is brought to you by the Southwest WA Drought Hub and funded through Future Drought Fund. In this series, we'll hear from growers and industry experts on managing dry season responses, ranging from early planning to tactical decision making as the season changes throughout the year and setting up for your following season. Aerating the soil and allowing the roots to grow faster and they actually use the subsoil water quicker so again if you hit a dry hot spell during the season those crops have ended up suffering more because they've had bigger canopies they've actually dried the profile faster already and they've just got very little soil moisture left for cooling. Hello everyone, I am Shannon Beatty and you are listening to the Dry Season Responses podcast series. This is episode two of this limited series, so if you joined us for episode one and tuned back in again, I appreciate it. Haven't scared you off yet, that's always a good sign. In our first episode, we gave you a bit of an intro to what this podcast is all about and we started with a bit of a discussion around financial decisions after a dry year. But in this episode, we're going to start getting into some more practical information to help growers when dealing with a drier season. I'm joined by DPIRD Senior Research Scientist Stephen Davies to chat all things soil amelioration. And we're going to be covering everything from optimising amelioration timing to what happens to soils in a dry year when they have been ameliorated, and then just trying to give some tips on maximising the longevity of amelioration benefits. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you and I spend a lot of time together lately, Steve. I feel like we should be getting sick of each other. You live in Geraldton, I live in Perth, and yet somehow we talk every second day. (laughs) That's right. At least this time we're not in the field covered in flies. So this is actually, I reckon this is a step up compared to last time. It definitely is. That last trip that we did, I will say, was not a super fun experience. Uh, There was way too many flies, way too many flies. (laughs) I reckon there's about a thousand too many flies. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, you and I, as we just said, we know each other pretty well, but for our audience who might not know you as well, can you give us a bit of an intro to yourself? Yeah, so I'm a a senior soils research scientist with the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. Been with the department for about 18 years, all of those based up in Geraldton. And so, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of work in the, the Northern Ag region, but also, I guess, managed projects on soil constraints and things that have also, you know, worked across the entire grain belt for WA and yeah, it's been an awesome job loved it I love getting to work with you Steve you honestly you're just a ray of sunshine you're one of my favorite people to get to work with an interview so this is great I feel like I'm just chatting with a mate <laughs> um let's start with uh, for this chat what happens to crops when they're growing on ameliorated soils in a drier season right yeah what happens to crops Look, it's quite a quite a complex space. I mean, I guess look, very often what we generally see with amelioration is because we've removed those constraints, we actually do literally allow better root growth, a more substantial and extensive root growth into the soil. And typically this would mean that, you know, we can access more of that soil water. But there's a few little complications that fortunately we don't 
see every season. But one of the things about ameliorated soils is that, firstly, during the amelioration process, you know, we often I say something like spading, uh, we off or, or, or inversion ploughing, we'll often bring up that subsoil to the surface and that's often wet already. Like often there's been a bit of rain prior to the season starting or even some summer rain that's sort of stored down in that subsoil. We bring it to the surface and, and that actually causes some drying. So we actually lose some of that moisture. The other thing that happens is we, we change the nature of the soil surface. So often on the soils where we're doing a lot of amelioration, they're often um, repellent. So that's one of the things that we're actually trying to get rid of. But at the same time, when we do get rid of it, we sort of make this wettable soil surface. So if we're only getting small rainfall events, either to start the season or during the season, that rainfall can just sort of be absorbed into the top five to ten mil of the soil surface depending on the size of the event and then that's really susceptible to just evaporating away so you know it can increase our evaporation as well and then yeah we change kind of the water use pattern so the roots grow quickly they explore the profile and they start to dry it out pretty quickly as you just highlighted, Steve, the, the whole point of soil amelioration is to help us access or help those roots access longer, lower down, help them grow deeper, help us access some subsoil moisture. In a really dry season, is it possible that the loss of moisture through that evaporation, I guess, exceeds or counteracts the benefits gained from amelioration at all? Yeah, I think like it's it's all a question of kind of severity and, and how dry the season is and whether there's, you know, enough rainfall events, I guess, to keep sort of replenishing that subsoil moisture. But we guess we've sort of observed in some parts of the, the grain belt this year that there have been places where they just have not had enough rain and rain sort of in large enough events or in sort of concentrated enough time periods over a week or so that they've had enough rain to sort of replenish that subsoil moisture. And the issue then is that you're really reliant on just using the bits of rain as they, as rainfall as they come in. And if you're losing a little bit more to evaporation, that's where we've kind of, I guess, seen the balance of the losses that can occur due to amelioration actually outweigh the benefits of, of capturing, of being able to access more of that subsoil water. So, and in fact, you know, kind of ameliorating the soil and allowing the roots to grow faster and they actually use the subsoil water quicker. So again, if you hit a dry, dry hot spell during the season, those crops have ended up suffering more because they've had bigger canopies. They've actually dried the profile faster already and they've just got very little soil moisture left for cooling. So even though where we saw this happen, we saw it happen for both non-ameliorated and ameliorated soils, plant crops growing on those soils. It was actually more severe on the ameliorated soils that we saw more of that heat damage and that drought stress damage. I'm assuming there's times where people are going to ameliorate in the summer and they're not necessarily going to know that it's a dry season that they're heading into and then it happens. When that situation arises throughout the course of the season, how can growers try to mitigate some of those risks that we've been discussing? Yeah, look, it's really difficult and none of us can sort of quite tell how the season's going to pan out. I mean, even in this dry season that we've had, you know, for some of the, the sites that we had, there were times they were looking quite good and if we kind of ended up with a soft finish, probably would have gone all right. But, yeah, we just don't know what's ahead. So really it's about risk mitigation and I guess 
there's really only a few things you can do and one is to you know choose if you can like go to a shorter season environment if it's sort of looking dry if you haven't had a lot of rain leading into the season you've already potentially had if you've ameliorated that particular year you've already lost some moisture out of that profile potentially so a shorter season crop will just give you that opportunity to perhaps you know try and guarantee some grain at the end the other thing you can do is just sort of yeah i guess like happens really in any scenario with a dry season but you really manage those those inputs especially nitrogen so again you're trying to just sort of give yourself a little bit of your potential but you're also trying to really just manage that canopy manage that water demand i guess one of the interesting things too that we saw this year wasn't just soils that were ameliorated in 2023 that were impacted or crops growing on soils ameliorated in 2023 it was also like even from previous years amelioration they still saw some impact of the amelioration on crop establishment if they were in really dry areas for the start of the season and also you know just more heat stress okay so do we have any examples of this in the field at all. I know that you have been doing some trials in the northern ag region this year where obviously there was a very low rainfall. Can you tell us about some of those trials and and what you noticed throughout the season? Yeah, so we were undertaking a number of trials, well, I guess across the region, but if you like, all in that northern part of the wheat belt, north of Geraldton and northeast of Geraldton, the majority of them or directly east. And so for some of those experiments, we were looking at certainly the timing of amelioration and the timing of sowing and, you know, sort of optimising variety choice for those different times of sowing. Uh, that would work was done just um, south of Una in the, the northern wheat belt. And, yeah, with, with that work, we we ended up having to actually irrigate our first two times of sowing to get sort of our – to hit our windows of – early sowing time, which obviously then, you know, adds to the overall water that those treatments received. And certainly, you know, this year with a tight finish, a short, sharp and difficult finish to the season with very little rainfall, some quite warm temperatures at times during during the grain fill period, we certainly saw that, you know, had growers had that opportunity <laughs> of those extra mills at the start and got crops up, it's certainly those early crops this year that you know, have performed the best. So for those that were lucky enough to sort of get their their crops onto early moisture, that was a real benefit. But the other thing we, we sort of really observed was that we were travelling along quite nicely with some of the trials there. We also had a have an experiment there looking at coleoptile length and seeding depth and how that can be a useful trait in ameliorated soils. And if anything, we were sort of partway through the season, I guess, you know, July, we were sort of looking at the usual situation where we felt, well, okay, the crops going on the ameliorated soils look better. They're probably going to yield more. But then we did run into a period where we had very little rain and we ended up with a very warm week with temperatures over 35 degrees, up to 37, 38 degrees, you know, for a week. And we really saw all of the crops go backwards, but on the ameliorated soils, in this case, it was ripping followed by spading was the amelioration treatment, you know, we saw the damage to those crops actually be worse. And I guess our hypothesis really, we we don't have all the measurements is that, you know, that those crops that actually use more moisture, they were looking better, they had bigger canopies 
and but as a consequence they sort of suffered more from the heat stress they weren't able to keep themselves cool enough and so they really went backwards and and that's kind of with the hard finish to the season that's kind of carried through and so those crops if anything have yielded yielded less or certainly no better than the, the untreated controls I suppose it takes us back to what we said at the beginning that there is a situation that can arise where the loss of moisture then there not being enough moisture actually ends up counteracting or exceeding the benefits that you could potentially get from amelioration. So it's interesting to say that you did actually kind of see that scenario playing out at a couple of the trial sites throughout the course of the year. Yeah, and, and really the complete opposite to last year where we had like the softest, longest, cool, moist finish and obviously, you know, big yields came with that and we saw big benefits from amelioration, you know, lots yield increases of over a tonne or more on top of the the nil the controlled non-ameliorated soils yeah so it was really quite quite extreme and it does go to show you that like agriculture is always complex i suppose and you go to fix a problem like soil water repellents and for most years that's actually a benefit you know you you get better infiltration more even infiltration you get more even crop establishment and that can you know help with things like weed competition and there's all these benefits from doing it but as always in agriculture there's always also sort of some compromises and one of the compromises is is water repellent soil makes an excellent mulch like it's really really good that once water gets in the soil it really helps prevent it from coming back out again so it's a beautiful mulch it helps you you know harvest water into the furrows because you've got this beautiful repellent stuff it's just helped pushing the water into the furrows. And so, yeah, you know, like this year we got sort of stung up by not having that, but generally it's a positive. But worth bearing in mind the complexity, I guess, you know what I mean? Like this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> did we learn anything from these trials that you did this year that could potentially help us in future dry seasons? Oh, gosh. I think as I was sort of saying before, I mean, you've kind of, yeah, you've got to, really back off on the nitrogen inputs and I think it's difficult. I mean, I think people want to sort of give their crops the best chance and, and I can understand that and, and often that's the right decision, like it's the right decision to sort of give yourself that yield potential and give yourself that opportunity. But I think in, in these scenarios perhaps be aware of the risk that comes with that and, and the cost that, that you may you may not sort of get back. I think too understand your paddocks because we can all sort of I mean in this environment where we work you can sort of really pick out those poorer sands in the paddock so even if you're sort of thinking well you know I want to still put some nitrogen out maybe those areas you might actually just give it a miss because you know they're areas where the soils holds less moisture anyway and you know chances are they'll hay off you know in a, in a season that's sort of looking difficult I know with break crops up in our part of the world, particularly lupins, you know, some people over the years have gotten quite well with going sort of wider row spacing to give their lupins, I guess, a little bit more soil volume to explore. Certainly in our plots, you know, the way our plots are set up, we kind of have a gap between each plot and the edge rows, which were essentially a wide row next door to the neighbouring plot you know, looked a lot better. So they actually were able to access more soil water. They weren't sort of out competing with themselves as a crop, if you like, if that makes sense. So they looked a lot better. So it does show you that potentially, again, in these drier seasons, 
you know, that wider row spacing can be a tool, but I fully understand that that's not always that easy just to go out and roll out with a different row spacing. But again, if you're sort of on soils and in an environment where, you know, that heat and drought stress is, is likely and the longer range seasonal forecast isn't that great, it's something to perhaps consider because I know people have really sort of helped stabilise their, their lupin yields in particular, you know, with wide, wide row spacing up here. It's something that could see people doing very well and kind of take a bit of the risk out of the poor ears. As you say, it might not work for everyone, but it's good that people know it. And if it does work for them, if it's something that they can implement in their operation, great. Uh, and it's those tips can always be useful, as I say. Not going to work for everyone, but for those that it will work for, really handy information to know. Let's turn our attention to next season. There's going to be a lot of considerations for goers that they need to keep in mind before attempting amelioration after a dry season and when there's going to be not a lot of subsoil moisture. We're also looking at a drier summer, so it's unlikely that we're going to get a lot of summer rain. How can growers keep those or what should th- things should growers be keeping in mind? Well, I guess, yeah, be, be careful. <laughs> be careful about how much you do, really. <laughs> Simple message, be careful, that's it, podcast yeah. done. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we're all obviously pretty aware that the spading or soil inversion, those kind of really big disturbance events, soil amelioration options, they do expose the soil. They bury all the stubble cover. They do, as we mentioned, potentially cause a little bit of water loss from the subsoil that's brought to the surface and then you're exposed to wind erosion and you're exposed to higher evaporation, and we, and we know that's the case. So I think if things are looking really marginal and there's little subsoil moisture there, I would probably pull back on sort of doing those more aggressive soil amelioration techniques. You know, deep ripping might still have its place if it's, you know, if it's there in the program, you still want to sort of give your crops that opportunity going into a into a cereal, and that's something where you know that it's due for a deep rip. That might be something you still might consider. Try and keep that as minimal disturbance as possible. So try and leave as much stubble cover as you can, even though you're sort of loosening that subsoil and, and providing better access for roots in that way. And I think that's the other thing to kind of bear in mind is just really be careful with your stubbles from this year and I know some of them aren't that great but they're what we've got try and leave them standing you know don't use sort of tillage as a stubble management tool so sometimes people do just sort of run over their stubbles and incorporate them it just helps with that seeding process but I would say be very cautious about that you want to try and maximize our residue cover on these soils so that you know if we do happen to jag a summer rain or something which we can sometimes do in the north here with them some tropical moisture feed coming through, you know, we want to try to be able to store that and having ground cover protection gives us that little bit of a chance to sort of keep some of that moisture in the ground. So, yeah, definitely just be be a bit precious about your stubbles, I reckon. Don't even drive on them as, you know, try to minimise driving all over them and sort of smashing them about. I know you have to drive on them a bit, you know, try and keep to your tracks and keep it keep it minimal. Keep it minimal. Just keep it yeah, just be aware. Don't don't It yeah. definitely sounds like a bit of caution is uh definitely necessary. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps have a bit of um short season, you know, wheat seed and other varieties for other crop types, shorter shorter season varieties on hand perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 
given these sort of conditions that we're going to be looking at beginning of next year, beginning of 2024, how can growers optimise their amelioration timing? We've obviously just said that they need to be careful and considerate and take some caution, but how can they make sure they're doing it at the best time still? Mm. Well, I guess one of the things is if you do have some subsoil moisture there and, and there's a bit of an opportunity depending on the outlook, perhaps still be a little bit, yeah, just cautious about how much you plan to do. And, you know, you might try to sort of do that situation where you ameliorate and you try and basically seed into that moisture that you bring up and and get crops away. The evidence from this year, and and I guess it really came through in in other dry seasons and learnings from them, that is getting crops in, in early can still really give you, often give you the best chance in those dry seasons. So, yeah, definitely if you can bring moisture up and it's enough to germinate the crop, you know, get it in there. So I know, yeah, I know it can be difficult logistically because often you might be, you obviously don't want to go too, too early and then you start to push into your window where you might be wanting to dry seed your canola or what other things, shallower. But, yeah, there might be an opportunity there, perhaps almost, you know, depending on how things pan out, like in between your early sowing of some of your break crops, there might be an opportunity there to ameliorate a paddock or two get them in straight away, try and bring them up on the moisture that you bring to the surface and that gets cover on them quickly. And I guess be aware too that if conditions are pretty warm when you're doing that, you might want to potentially just sow a little bit little bit deeper into that soil just so that you, you know, they don't dry down so fast that you compromise your, your establishment. Typically, you know, on our sandy soils, we can sort of get away with that. Most of your cereals will still come through okay yeah obviously when we're spending money on amelioration we know it's not uh, not the cheapest of, of exercises to undertake so we do want to make sure that we're getting longevity of those amelioration benefits and making sure that it actually lasts do you have any other tips for growers who are planning on ameliorating still at the beginning of the next season to make sure that they still get those those benefits despite the conditions that they might be ameliorating in? I don't know if there's anything with seabread preparation or herbicide use or crop rotation or anything that might help them make sure that they get those benefits still. Yeah, you, look, you want to you want to get it right in terms of your seeding. So, yeah, look, look most growers do find that, yeah, definitely some soil levelling and, and soil packing is, is useful. It just gives them that opportunity to get a more even seed bed, capture the, you know, and, and, and get more even establishment across the seed bed. So I think I think that's still fine. Like I think that, that's still good. You don't need to like, from our research and what we've sort of been seeing, we've tried to sort of push with heavier rolling versus lighter rolling and we rarely see much difference. You know, it seems a benefit to roll, but you don't, you just need enough rolling. You don't have to go particularly heavy. Admittedly, we're using smaller gear, but in, as a principle, I think that still stands. So in addition to the seedbed sort of preparation, yeah, certainly be aware of potential for herbicide damage on ameliorated soils. We've run quite a few experiments in a number of areas on that work. It's been something we've we've had a lot of work in. And what we found is that there's some seasons where you can use herbicides which are actually a little bit risky and you get away with it. But then there's other seasons where they come back and it bites you and you get quite a lot of crop damage. So it is better to go with safe herbicide options, but you still want to get the weed control. So have a really good talk to your your consultants and your agros about that. 
certainly, you know, you can get in contact with us here at DPIRT and have a, uh, we can put you in touch with the, the guy that knows a lot about it, which is Tom Edwards in Esperance, if you want to get to him direct. Yeah, he can give you a bit of advice on sort of getting that balance right between minimising your risk of crop damage, you don't want that early, and, and actually still achieving your weed control requirements. So that, that's something that can be managed. And there's other growers with a lot of experience too, and they're really good people to go talk to. They've done a lot of this work and they've, through that experience they've learned a lot how to manage these things. I've already made the point about stubble residue, but keep it there <laughs> as you go into the, your first year of remuneration, for example. And then the other thing that our work's really shown is the benefit of great crops. So we've done quite a number of rotation trials that we've actually been following for they've just come up to the end of their fourth season which is the last season for this particular piece of work and I guess I've been actually personally a little bit surprised at how big the break crop benefits been compared to sort of a more continuous cereal rotation so just be aware that you know the the soil-borne diseases and pests things like nematodes and urizectonia can build up if you don't sort of put those break crops in, it can also obviously be a real advantage for weed control, grass weed control, by having those break crops in there. And so what we've really seen is that we see a benefit from canola in the rotation uh, in the following year's wheat on an ameliorated soil, but we see an even bigger benefit whenever we've had, obviously, lupins generally, a legume in the rotation there. We see even a much bigger benefit again, so probably almost 20 25% more yield in the following wheat crop after lupin compared to after canola and, and that canola's probably yielded, you know, wheat after canola's probably yielded uh, 40 or 50% more than than the wheat after wheat. So the sort of increases we've seen in response to break crops on ameliorated soils are at least as big, if not bigger, than non-ameliorated soils that have been published previously. So if anything, we seem to be almost making the soil quite sensitive, but we were targeting soils too in that work where we knew there were some biological constraints. So we knew there were some weeds present. We knew that there was a little bit of root disease uh, and, and root pests about. So, but that's actually, yeah, there's more of that stuff around than we realise, I think. And if you don't, if you don't sort of have that good rotation, you do start to miss out and things start to, um, you start to lose the benefit, definitely drops off. Amazing. Uh, Steve, you have given everyone plenty to think about on this uh, on this podcast episode, and I really appreciate you, you joining me and, and sharing your knowledge with everyone. Thank you. You know, thanks for the opportunity. We still, as everyone out there does, we've still got masses of questions that we'd love to be able to answer, and I don't think we'll ever be short of questions, but just means we've got lots of good fun work to do. I'm going to say thank you to Steve again for sitting down with us and sharing all of his wonderful information. Before we do wrap up this particular episode of the podcast, I just want to let everyone know that for more information on this topic, or I guess a bit of an extension of what we spoke about, Deep Herds Greens Combo podcast recently sat down with research scientist Justin Laycock to talk about wind erosion and harvesting short patchy crops. So hopefully that might help people uh, with some of their decisions, especially as we go into harvest and post-harvest once we do have some bearish looking paddocks around the place. As always, the Southwest WA Hub is dedicated to sharing information that supports growers just to help them prepare and respond to these dry seasons that we established in 2023. 
The monthly hub newsletter that the Drought Hub has is the best place to get all of that information. It's got news on the future drought fund, the hub just responding to drought in general, and you can subscribe to that newsletter via the website at hub.gga.org.au under Hub News. That brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for joining me and I will see you all next time. You've just been listening to the Southwest WA Hub's limited dry season podcast series. For further support for decision making through this dry season, the Drought Hub website features a collection of resources for the livestock, grains and horticultural industries. You can find these resources under the resources tab on the Hub website at hub.org.au. This episode has been brought to you by the Southwest WA Drought Hub, funded by the Future Drought Fund. If you or someone you know is in crisis, contact Lifeline on 13 11 14.